Hey TCBs, I'm Amanda. And I'm Ashley. And this is Allegedly. I love how you were mimicking me saying my name. I did? Yeah. I looked over oh and God. you're mimicking. <laughs> I don't recall doing that at all. I have no memory of that. Oh, gosh, Amanda. What it, up? What up? We're starting a series. We are. We are. We are. Uh, but before we get into that, where did my right phone here. go? Voila! It's just, I thought I stuck it. And, oh. And it, it wasn't. It wasn't. So, um, I always have notes, and then I always forget that I have notes. My hair is greasy because I didn't shower today. So it's is mine. Me. I'm on a new, I'm on a new uh, schedule. Ash from Morbid would be proud of me. I used to wash my hair every other day. Yeah. Now, you're not supposed to wash it that much. No. Before I had my weight loss surgery, I would wash it every six days. And not get greasy. But since I've had my weight loss surgery, something about my body not absorbing the proper vitamins and stuff, I literally, my hair gets greasy every single day. That's not the only thing it messes with. I smelled it yesterday. My bowel (laughs) movements. Oh, it's bad. You should have warned me before I let you use my bathroom. Well. Pretty sure I can still smell it. If I would have done that, you might have said no. (laughs) Well, now I wash my hair on Fridays and Sundays. Just because Friday I use a cleansing to get all of the dirt out, like kind of reset my hair. But then I do it on Sundays because I get it going for the rest of the week. But then it's fine for the rest of the week because I use cornstarch. And I don't use dry shampoo. I can't use cornstarch. I've even tried baby powder. Mm. With my dermatitis, on my it makes my oh, scalp. Well, yeah, that's different. But I okay. use cornstarch and it's just a little bit and it works to keep me. But by the end of the like... By the end of the week, it's like, oh, yeah, oh, you yeah, definitely yeah. need that reset. So, yeah. Lucky you. Why did we get on that subject? Because uh, I said my hair is greasy because it was really bothering me. I just waved at my husband through the window. <laughs> he's he's working. Um, yeah. Since it's daylight savings in New York, it's now dark at five. But he's working on building me my mudroom. Yeah. He's so if you guys. there and everything. Yeah. So if you guys hear any buzzing, that's really what's going on. I want to tell you a story about my high schoolers. I, I have a really good relationship with my high schoolers. Like, a really good relationship. So somebody started dating somebody. Yes, you told me at the craft fair. <sighs> so, I'm going to tell it again because maybe we can get some feedback from people like Gina or John or whatever because it, it, it's, it's sketchy. So, somebody started dating somebody. Uh-huh. All right. What grade is this? These somebody's in. Okay, well, the the one on my bus is a senior. The um, boyfriend is a junior. Okay? Um, and it's all fine and dandy, but I'm Mama Ashley. Mm-hmm. All right? I am Miss Ashley of the school bus, but I be like your mama. Mm-hmm. So I need to know everything about this. So I'm like, how do you know they're not a murderer? Valid question. How do you know Valid. this? Like, have you... How do you, Have you ask them? No, they did not. So <laughs> while on said bus on Friday, they Snapchatted their new boyfriend and uh, asked. 
because apparently Miss Ashley needed to know. Right then. Okay? Yep. The question was, are you a murderer? Guess what the reply was? (gasps) Was it maybe? Nope. The answer was no, period. However, the no, they used quotations. Red flag. (laughs) Red flag. Nope. Who says that? You know. You deliberately used quotations. You might as well have just said yes. Well, I mean, they go to your school district, so maybe they don't know what quotations really mean. Oh, then they should stay in school longer than 12th grade. I don't think that's the fact. I don't think that's the thing, though. I don't think that's it. But then, these people are in marching band. It says a lot right there. Well, okay. Those people are really smart. The person on my bus said, I know they're not a murderer. They're in marching band. What does that mean? I did not know there was a requirement to be a murderer that you've never been in marching band. Is that a secret? Is that like a secret for murderers? And now I need to look up a murder that was in marching band. Is it just marching band or band in a whole? Because my daughter is in band and my husband's a drummer and has played violin since he was four. And James plays instruments. They so. said marching band. Okay, I don't. He was I'm not so confused. Okay, James was in marching band, oh. but I have so I many questions. I feel like this opened up a lot more questions we than need answers. We have a case now. Who was? I'm highly band. worried though, because put aside the marching band, just go back to the quotations of no. That's red flag. That That's is a red huge. and a period. That really cemented this is what they're saying. No, in quotations. Nobody does that. No. No. That would be like us asking our children, did you have candy? And they look at us with quotations. No. No. You did. You did. You did. You did. So you are a murderer. What is the boyfriend's name? Is it Michael? Nope. No, it's not Michael. I'm not going to say it because these are kids. Um, And that one doesn't ride my bus. But I will say hi to Alex. Your boyfriend might be a murderer. <laughs> you need to... We'll, we, we're going to keep an eye on this for you. Oh, somehow. I'm keeping an eye. Because I'm, we are highly worried. <laughs> we are worried. really worried. I am super worried. Yeah. I also want to bring up... James listened to... Um, well, James listened to... <gasps> I went to James's house. You did. To meet all of the animals. I held snakes. I didn't really like the big one because it's a little bit intimidating. But the little one, Pretzel, is so cute. I love him. So, uh, what was I saying? Um, I really cut you off. I'm sorry. I was... Oh, James. James. James, listen to the last episode, which was Kayla Rowland yeah. or Roland. I really don't know how to say it. It had two L's. Oh, it's got to be it's... Roland. But he said, it's not Dedrick. And it's definitely not Deer Dick. And we knew that. We knew that. But he says it's Diedrich. And all I have to say is tomato avocado. Does he know what that means? For those of you who don't know what that means, that's a Shanda's version of tomato tomato. And that comes with a whole nother story. Yes. Well, I think it might be on YouTube, actually. You, you, you know what we need up. to do, though? We really need to make a list or have people ask us certain things. Because I feel like in every episode, there's something where, like, if you want to know more about that. <laughs> We might end up having to re-listen to our episodes. Like, maybe we'll divvy them up. You get a few episodes. I'll get a few episodes. We'll listen through. We'll make lists. And then we could do, like, a YouTube video or Facebook Live. And explain that. 
And just explain all these yeah, things. I think that's a So idea. to James, tomato avocado. That's a great story. Can we talk about murder now? <laughs> Let's get in because oi. Oi may. So today, the title is D period, A period, S period. I mean, it's longer than that, but I figured I'd give you that much. So today, we are starting D is for Adamer. I know. (laughs) We're doing a series. I think this is our first series, not parts. We've had parts. This is a series. The next, I was going to say three episodes go together, but Dahmer's is going to be two parts, two episodes in its own, because holy creeps. She's been researching this one for so long now. And I didn't really need to, like, research, research, because I'm not covering this as a whole. Right. If we did, we'd have more than two parts. We'd be here all but, rest of the year. Yeah. So this is this is going to be something. I'm going to need you guys to buckle your seatbelts, because this is a ride. This is going to be a ride. And I don't have any belts to buckle. Just hold on to your panties. <laughs> oh my god. Guys, <laughs> I have to tell you something about panties really quick first. <laughs> so listen. So me and Ashley and one of our um, super fans, Gina, we went to a craft fair yesterday. And then, you know, we did our shopping or whatever and Gina left and went her way and then me and Ashley rode together. So then we stopped at Popeye's because we had to use the bathroom. Ashley gets the bright idea when she's drying her hands. <laughs> Why would you do this? Why is this what you've done all weekend? Why are you doing this to me? This is on recording. It's so genius. She was drying her hands and then she lifted out her leggings and let that hot air go down her pants. She was doing a little dance to that. And then I thought it was ridiculous. Then she's like, no, you have to try it. So I did. It was amazing. It gets all nice, warm and blowy. It's so warm. It's so warm and blowy. I love it. It was so nice. Thank God nobody came in the restroom. I never thought about that. It was a public restroom. <laughs> and it was a more than one stall thing. There was no way to lock that. Nope. I don't know. It's me. I don't care. But I'll tell you what. Come winter when it's like negative three outside, yeah. uh, get yourself a little blowy hand blower to blow down your things. Uh, yeah, that would be a hair dryer. Oh, my God. It would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> Holy sheep eggs. <laughs> How we would get our own. <laughs> Do you don't you blow dry your hair like once a week? You never thought to just be like, Woo. Never, never. with the hand dryer I in always, the bathroom. I always do it in public bathrooms, but I never thought to use the blow dryer. Wow, my world just opened up. I'm, that's why you have a friend like me. Just to, you know, keep the ideas rolling. Yikes. Anyways, we'll get into the series now with the so, undies. Buckle up your underwear. I know that we spoke like this last week, but we're going to do it again. So when Amanda and I began allegedly, yes. we had talked about not covering certain cases. Yep. And this <laughs> was one. popular ones. This is clearly one. Yes. I think people who know this were like, you're covering Dahmer. Hmm. Yeah. Our way. Our, Our way. But... We're not covering him fully, and um, 
I mean, I'd like to think that we're covering his victims. Just enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the reason that I'm doing this is because the one person I wanted to cover, in order to cover that person, we had to cover right. Dahmer. Right. So here we are. It, it, it's it's he he was a case that we decided not to cover, but then you know what happened? Netflix 2022. I still have not watched it. I told you not to. I'm not going to until after this. Yeah. After a so this fall, we have not only been hit with one show about Jeffrey Dahmer, but two. Yeah. So we have Monster, the Dahmer story, and that came out on September 21st, 2022. That's my dad's birthday. I love you, Dad. Happy birthday, Dad. Here's Dahmer. <laughs> well, that's well. Followed by, like soon after, Conversations with a Killer, the Jeffrey Dahmer tapes. And those were released on Tara's birthday, October 7th, 2022. So on September 30th, 2022, I put out episode 21, which goes into like the, you had COVID, uh, into discussions about that 10-part series, Monster. Um, And it doesn't so much recap it because I didn't want to give out spoilers. Yeah. it just more or less is my thoughts on the Dahmer case. And if y'all have listened, you you probably are put off by my thoughts. You were really, really worried about releasing that. I was super worried about it. But you I know what? It's fine. Last I, it's I totally checked. Fine. Last I checked. This is that where podcast. Yeah. And I can say whatever I want. Yep. That's absolutely true. So nobody's, you know, holding a gun to your guys' head to make you listen. Exactly. We don't condone that. We don't. I only do that to James to make him listen. So, yes. Okay. <laughs> However, in watching the show, I decided that I wanted to cover someone that came up in it. Um, and it's not easy because here we are. We now have to do this. Yeah. So we're going to go on what I wrote in my notes as a three-week journey. But I already know that it's at least going to be a four-week journey. Oh, Okay. This is, the, Christmas. this is the month of giving. I give you Dahmer. But let's be real, though. If I we really were in prison, this we would want a cell next to him. I I think we just lost listeners. But I agree with that. That would be somebody. It's not like we're going to jail. We're not. Although I have plans. Because <laughs> I have my prison jar. <laughs> Write that down. Write that down. Because that's something that's going to come up as needing to be covered. People yep. are going to have questions. Yep. So here we go. Welcome to episode one in a horrific trifecta. Yikes. Yeah. But I want you guys to be warned. This is going to be horrific. This is your warning for this episode and the following episode covering Dahmer. It is horrific. If you want to know nothing about Dahmer, then... This you is not the skip episode this for you. episode and probably the next one. So I will say that I have become more fascinated with this case as Amanda has learned. Yep. And I think she's now accepted. Yep. James is very unsure about my thoughts on all of this. <laughs> oh, James. I have become what Elena and Ash over at Morbid have now called a domerologist. <laughs> I want to use that daily. Here's why. <laughs> the, here's what happened. Their episode. Elena loves Jack the Ripper. Yes. Okay. She, so there are people, first of all, I'm going to throw this in here. Did you know that there are people called Columbiners? What? No, that's not right. Yeah. So they are people who love what happened at Columbine who so much. Who would love that? 
crazy people. So, and it's not a fascination with what happened. It's literally a love for like what went down, the the killers. They are called Columbiners. I am not a Dahmerer. Okay, I do not condone what he did. I do not love what he did. So Elena and Ash came up with she's a ripperologist because we are fascinated with what happened. We want to learn more about what happened. We don't agree with what they did. Right. So it's like going to school okay. for like math. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. So or like I'm a, when you go to school to like be a mortician, you don't really want to right. be the dead body, but you have fascination with right. what happens after you die. Correct. Okay. So I do like, I'm a domerologist. Dom- People are sending Elena, like, certificates. Oh, it's like sheep on the wall? No. Um, certificates bad. that say ripperologist That's f- for Elena. And now I need domerologist ones, which, let's talk about domerologist it's very close to dermatologist, um, which is weird seeing as how dermatologists have to do with skin and Dahmer is clearly somebody no, we know skin. that likes that. So, <laughs> so do you. Of turkeys. I love turkey skin and I can't wait. <laughs> oh my God. My mouth just got all sorts of like saliva. I need a moment. Water? What, what, do you, need, what is it called when you have a mouthful of wetness? Um, hunger? <laughs> hunger? No. I, it's all up in there though. It's like my cheeks Drink are. water. It's like my cheek. I'm, Why are we drinking wetness to get rid of wetness? That makes no sense, but it works. This episode's going so good. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even drinking it. You're just spitting it back out. Um, we need to start recording a Shanda beforehand. Get all of our Shanda-ness out. Yeah. So, anyway, I do want to say this as well. I find Dahmer fascinating. And if you want to know my thoughts, go to episode 21. Although I feel like I wasn't as forward in that as I could have been as yeah, I've been in the past few weeks. you were holding weeks. back for sure. I sure was. I was super worried. Yeah, you were. I also have become highly intrigued by cannibalism. Um, this is news to me, y'all. So not in the sense that I would want to eat someone, but just fascinated in the fact that this is a thing still to this day. I found cases that this is still a thing. People are still doing this. And it goes dates back to like... Didn't you ever see Silence of the Lambs? Yeah. I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm just wowed about this. So I've been like Googling cannibalism. I've been talking about it. It's a lot. So I've talked about it so much that James actually told me about there's lab-grown human meat now that... (laughs) I don't think that's the same, though. I don't think lab-grown... That's worse. Yeah, I don't That's think worse. I don't think lab-grown human meat makes you why a cannibal. Why is it? Why are we? Gro- why are we? Do- why? Who is doing this? There's actually there's an article which no. I'll link. James, why are you looking this up? Why oh, are you looking? Why are we? You lo- looked are- it up because I now have a fascination with cannibalism apparently, and so he decided to look this up and tell me about it. I don't know. I just want to clarify: I have no desire to actually eat human meat. I just find it fascinating. Because I think, I think if I was going to eat human meat, I'd probably just chop off my own finger and see what's going on in there. 
like a chicken wing. No? <laughs> it's not the same? No. no. Okay. I do, I'm not on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not on the same page at all. Well, why can I not be fascinated in cannibalism, but there's people out there who are fascinated with people who stab people? No, you can, you, you can be... You can, I'm fascinated. You can be fascinated okay. by... Yeah. You should, nobody should be worried about being in my presence. I don't like to commit crimes. I, I'm not worried about being in your presence. I mean, you can't even walk without running into a pole. So, I mean... Is this how this episode's going to go? You're just going to throw me under the bus for everything I do? You ran into <laughs> a pole the same day. I was just going to say that. When we both had our glasses on, and I saved you from that squirrel, <laughs> the pancaked squirrel... <laughs> I, you don't know what kind of diseases are on that dead thing. Can jump off of the road and get you. What? Oh my God! That's like pet cemetery. Yeah. We've now gone twenty minutes. Okay, let's go. Okay, can Into we do it. this? Yep. Let's do this. Sorry, guys. Okay. So, in order to lighten the mood before the blow, I decided to begin with an anecdote. So we're actually not going to get into it because I just wanted to, you know, start on a lighter note. This trifecta that we are going into brings us to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. What's there? Have you ever been there? No. Okay. Well, it actually holds a special place in my heart for a few reasons. Okay, yes. I, I think I know. When I was younger, I spent six weeks every summer with my father. All right? We would go on, like, tons of adventures. He lived in a bunch of different places. Mm-hmm. Um, and every summer we did something different. So we've been all over the place, right? One year, one year. I don't know why it came out like I'm a young male going through puberty. So I want to say I was like 11, but don't hold me to that because I'm not sure. But we went to Wisconsin. I was either 11 or 12. Was it during the, it was summertime. It was summertime. You went there in the summertime. Yeah. Okay. Um, My dad is a huge Green Bay Packers fan. Mm, Sucks for him today. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) For those who don't know, that is Wisconsin's NFL football team. Yes. We spent time eating at like local restaurants. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm I'm 99.9% sure that that's where I first tried calamari and oh, fell in love I with it. I love calamari. Yeah. We went to a huge parade that summer, but for the life of me, I have no idea what it was for. But if it was during the summer, it was probably July 4th. Yeah. I'm assuming. Um, I can't remember when I was there exactly, the dates and whatnot, but I do remember the trip happened. So there's one memory that stands out to me from this trip. I'm so excited, y'all. I'm so excited. My dad, my stepmom at the time, Trish, my sister Shannon and I, we were all staying at a hotel. Okay? My dad and stepmom got one room. My sister and I got the adjacent room. My sister is about like five years older than me. So at the time, she would have been like 16. And I'm sure she was not like super excited about having her 11-year-old sister around in the same room with her. No. So we barely checked in our, to our rooms when Shannon decided to lock me out of ours. And so what'd you do? Well, I wasn't happy, so I knocked on my dad and stepmother's door. Uh, it turns out they didn't hear me. From what I know, I think they were in the shower. Ooh la la! That's weird for an eleven-year-old. So I was panicked. I would be too. Nobody was letting me into any hotel room. <laughs> scared out of my mind. And I remember it so vividly. I was banging on the door. They couldn't hear me. So I banged on the door of Shannon's in my room. She wasn't going to let me in. So did you just sit down and just in defeat? I did. I sat down in defeat. Crying. And then what happened? 
I'll tell you what happened. Oh, good. It was then that, like, some people started walking by, but I don't care who they were because I was locked out of rooms. We should care who they are. And I was unfazed by it because they were just walking by. They did not care that there was a child in the hallway crying. Sh- that was a One line. of them did. <gasps> oh, who was that? All of a sudden, I heard a voice ask, are you okay? And then standing there, hovering over me to see if the child is okay. Child Ashley. I look up Kid Rock. Oh my gosh! Kid so Rock. Exciting. Kid Rock. I kid you not. I'm I'm like. I sat there just staring like a freaking fool. So yeah, I would be too. I knew who he was. I instantly lost my tears as well as my sense of speech. Um, and he just looked at me and it must have been okay with the fact that I stopped crying because he walked away without an answer. Oh, all right, all right. And I watched him go into a room down the hall on the same floor as us, and then closed the door with the rest of the crew that had walked with them. So I began banging on the hotel room door to Shannon, frantically yelling about Kid Rock. <laughs> oh my gosh. She eventually opened the door. She didn't believe me right offhand, but she listened to my experience, doubted it. Then we went to the end of the hall to peer out the hall window. Right. And you could see their buses and trailers, and so then she believed me. However, it was up in October of 2022, so just last month, when I'm creating this episode, like trying to put it all together, mm-hmm. and uh, I bring it up to my sister, the trip, okay? And I'm like, hey, do you remember that? And she says, I've never been to Wisconsin, Ashley. <laughs> <gasps> Did you dream it? Did no. You call your dad to me? I her? was livid. I was livid. <laughs> So literally texts back and forth about this whole thing. She's like, yes, you were. Because if this didn't happen, if you weren't there, Kid Rock didn't happen. This happened when I was 11. I'm 37 years old. I've told everybody about this. This is a highlight in my life. Kid Rock found me crying in a hallway of a hotel. I've told everybody this for how many years? Can we tag Kid Rock in this episode? I might have to tag Kid Rock. (laughs) Rock. I'm so frustrated. I can't even speak. You can't speech. I can't speech today. So I was thrown into a frenzy, kind of like I am right Right now. now. So mind you, the Kid Rock story hinges on the fact that Shannon was there because otherwise I didn't get locked out of a hotel room. Right. If she wasn't, this is this is all just a lie that I've made up. So I turned to a source that could prove that these things happened. And yes, I needed proof. Yes. So <clears throat> I I started talking to my dad and he confirmed Shannon was there. Oh my gosh. What yeah. did she do? Black it all out? Apparently. How did Because can my you dad teach me how to do that. Then my dad said, "No, we all went to Purdue University to check it out because that's where Shannon went to college." She remembers that. But she thinks that she was left there and we went and just had our family trip without her. For whatever purpose? I don't... Shannon, girl. I know. So <laughs> Shannon actually still didn't believe it after her da- after dad confirmed it. So I have to go get documented proof. I'm going to have to go look at the scrapbook memories. I have not looked yet. Because my dad and I put a scrapbook together every summer of all of the photos. And I haven't had a moment to go do that because life... Uh, so Ooh, I'm going to have to you're go gonna check. You're going to have to do it. Um, but I'm pretty sure that there's actually photo proof that this has happened um but it, it it is confirmed she was there she just doesn't remember 
However, what she does remember is the Kid Rock story. She just doesn't remember being there, but she remembers hearing about the story. Well, guess what, Shannon? That didn't happen if you weren't there. How old did then... you get locked out? Well. Uh, well. <laughs> let's be completely well, honest. But. I don't know why I asked that. But. I don't know why. I would not have been in a separate room. I'm sure my dad would not have let me be in a separate room by myself. Maybe. I'm almost positive. Maybe you weren't in a separate room, and maybe you were just angry that he was showering with Trish. B.S. Shannon was there. It was yeah, already I truly, I truly believe that she was there. It. She absolutely was there. All right. So now that we've, oh gosh, talked far too long, literally a half an hour. We, we do that about sometimes. anything other than we do that the episode. We do that quite often. But you know. Come for the true crime, stay for the comedy. That's us. That's us. So, where do I begin? I don't know. I'm not looking at your notes. Um, we begin with Jeffrey Dahmer himself. Can I just tell you, how is Jeffrey spelt with a J? Yes. That's how my spelled dad, my dad's normal. name is Jeffrey. Um, I'm going to try to not spend too much time on this case, like I told you. Um, people know this case. It has been... <clears throat> Covered and then covered so many times. And covered covered again. again. Yeah. yeah, and really, all you ever hear is the same story with a different voice. Yep, true. So, yeah. I am going to give just like a little bit of background on Jeffrey. Things that maybe some of us didn't know, and then I'm going to get into the more the murders, <laughs> the murders, the murders. Um, in order without too much of like what was going on between. So I'm going to go because there's a lot of victims. Um, I'm going to try to not talk about too much about what's going on between. I'm just really going to do this right. as a timeline. Right. Um, I think the show's covered most of everything, and I don't want to just be another podcast covering Dahmer. So, since he ties into the trifecta, here we are. Alrighty. Um, just keep in mind that he had a toxic upbringing. Yes. Uh, he got into drinking beer early. Did not do well in school, went to college, but it was expelled, uh, went into the army, but was discharged for misconduct, um, and was arrested four <clears throat> times in his life for various misconducts before being arrested for the murders. Oh, Lord. I didn't know all of that. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> well, you're going to end up, you're going to end up watching. Yes. After the next couple weeks. Yes. So, actually... No, no, you're not. Okay. You're not going to you're going to wait until December. Okay. I'll wait. <laughs> Dictated by Ashley. Yes, I'll wait. Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer was born May 21st, 1960 in none other than Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to parents Joyce Flint and Lionel Dahmer. How funny is that we did this one after the one that we just did last week? Flint, yeah. Flint, Flint, Michigan. We always have a little tie. Yep. Little, a little shoelace tie. Uh, why? Why? <laughs> what did I, what, did you put something extra on top of the food I just fed you? What, what is happening? I don't know what that was. It came to my mind and it had to come out. Okay. So reports seem to contradict each other when it comes to Jeffrey's upbringing. Some say that he was deprived of attention while others say he was doted on as a child. Okay. I have read are, more that he was deprived. Yeah, same. Um, so one thing that Jeffrey himself says is that his mother and his father had a volatile relationship. 
So Jeffrey said that his mother was usually the instigator and definitely was the one who was physically abusive towards his father. Oh. Yeah. Jeffrey's mother was said to be a hypochondriac. Oh. For those who do not know, that is a person who excessively worries about having a serious illness. She also suffered from depression. Oh, so not a good combo, my friend. That is, I, nothing is a good combo with depression. Um, at one point, it is said that she even tried to commit suicide. His father, on the other hand, was gone a lot due to being a chemist student at Marquette University. So, so she was smart. He, he. I mean, he. Yeah, his father was smart, smart, smart. Chemist. But okay, but is he spending a lot of time at work? Yeah, he was gone. A, well, it wasn't even work. He was a chemist student, a chemistry student. So he was gone a lot due to that. So yeah, he was just gone a lot, and Jeffrey was with his mother. Yeah, that's not good. So in 1964, Jeffrey was diagnosed with a double hernia. In his scrotum. Ouch. Yeah. He had surgery to correct it, but it is thought that the extreme pain suffered by him both before and after the surgery could have influenced later feelings of sexual inadequacy inadequacy and insecurity. I don't know how true that is, but I also don't have a scrotum, so. You don't say... I had to think about it for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> She's not lying. She literally did. But I remember that babies start out as female and then turn into male. So then I had to go, oh, no, I'm female. I literally did not have a scrotum. I have an inward penis. So. Continue. <laughs> Lionel claimed <laughs> that. It was from this time on that Jeffrey began to become more and more withdrawn and introverted. So from the hernia surgery. Again. Why? Nobody knows you had the surgery, so why are you... I don't know. But that's what his dad said, so. During elementary school, a teacher of Jeffrey said that she had seen signs of abandonment in him. So the signs seemed to increase around 1966. It was a big year for the family. They moved almost 500 miles away to Doylestown, Ohio. Oh, there's a Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Lionel earned his degree. (laughs) In the chemistry field? Yep. And he became an analytic chemist. That seems like a job that would be, like, serious. Like, you you have to be all about the work and not the family. I don't even know what that is. I tried to look it up, but then there were words, and, and I... I know, you got lost, right? Uh, sure. Yeah. Yep. I know what a chemist is. I know that they work with chemicals. Um, I know what analyzing means, and I know me what too. chemist means, but when you put them together, I'm Anal- a little lost. Yeah. So, it was at this time, though, that Joyce and Lionel had their second child, David, in December. Thank God it wasn't Michael. Fun little fact for you, though, Amanda. Oh, Lord. Jeffrey was actually the one who chose his little brother's name. I know. Why is my that son? So my son chose my youngest. I know. Yeah. So I do want to point out that Lionel actually reported that Jeffrey was sexually assaulted by a neighbor boy in 1968. Okay, but could that have played a bigger role here? Well, Jeffrey himself claimed to remember no such thing happening. So I don't know. Um, 
We do know that sexual abuse can leave lasting effects. I don't. Yes. Jeffrey himself says it doesn't happen, but he was little, so maybe he doesn't remember. Maybe it blocked it out. I don't know. Maybe it didn't happen at all. Jeffrey's not claiming it, so I feel fine saying that it may not have happened. I don't like to say it when victims say it, but he's he would be the victim, and he's saying he doesn't have any. And he admitted to a lot of things. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it didn't. So we're going to jump ahead. It was about 1968 when the family was now in another new home. Oh, my. Bath Township, Ohio. So welcome to Ashley's Morbid Realtor Show. I love this show. I know. It's so fun. So this is the place you come to find your dream home that is probably no longer on the market. Today, we're taking a view into 4480 West Bath Road in Akron, Ohio. With the help of my friends at Realtor.com and Zillow, let's find out some more about this home, shall we? Shall we? This single-family home was built in 1952 on 1.92 acres of land. Mm, that's decent. It's decent. And it's really just a slice of seclusion heaven. The twelve. The twelve. Oh, I thought you said the toilet. The 2,170-square-foot home has three bedrooms, three baths, and space for two vehicles and is surrounded by forestry. I think this house was built for my husband. Yeah. The gem is Zestimated. <laughs> Zillow. At $370,200. And is currently not on the market. But if you are looking for the right home for you in Akron, Ohio, please feel free to contact me and I will help you out. Now, back to Allegedly. It's really a shame that we're not on video. It really is. It was in this home that Jeffrey began a collection. Uh, dare I say what of? Yeah. There was a little hut on the property. Okay. A, a hut? A hut. Like a little little shed-like thing. I don't know thing. why you're looking at the crack in my bathroom door because the hut is not there. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like a hut. It's not like a sh like a shed, like a she shed, like a nice built shed by the Amish. No, it's just a hut. <laughs> I'm picturing, like... I'm thinking, like, bamboo and, like, big Ooh. leaves over the top no. of it. <laughs> no, it's not like a mud hut. <clears throat> I didn't mention the word mud. I don't know. He collected larger insects as well as skeletal remains of small animals like chipmunks and squirrels. On purpose. Yes. Boys will be boys when it comes to the collection of bugs, so... Right. Well, some of the remains... The uh, animal remains of, like, chipmunks and squirrels, they were actually in jars and being preserved with formaldehyde. Why does he have formaldehyde? Why? That was it, why, my why, question, why, too. where, and nobody in his home noticed that he had formaldehyde? And I mean, I'm sure it was somehow accessible as a having a father who's a chemist. I don't know. I mean, it was clearly accessible. Well, I'm, I'm assuming 100%. I'm 100%. Assuming that that's but Of course, where he got my it. son's not allowed near the vinegar. So. Absolutely. Does he drink it? He likes to clean. So if I, like, he he loves to clean the bathroom. So, and I have to tell him not without an adult or. Yeah, because Tara. of chemicals. Right. Tara can do it, but as long as she's helping him. But he wants to. He likes to clean. It's Landon. But he's not allowed to have chemicals. But Jeffrey Dahmer had formaldehyde. And he knew what to do with it. And he knew what to do with it. Yeah. So two years later, at the age of 10, 
Dahmer became interested in something a little more questionable. Ten. Over a family dinner while eating chicken, Jeffrey decided to bring up a topic. He asked his father what would happen if the bones of a chicken were placed in bleach. And I know that would be a red flag to, like, oh, I don't know, you and I. Yes. But Lionel looked at it as a scientific curiosity. So he did later demonstrate for Jeff how to safely bleach and preserve animal bones. I can fully understand why his father did not see that as a red flag. I fully I, understand. I agree, too. Yeah. Mind you, he, uh, now we're on to bleach. He already knows how to preserve it in formaldehyde. But for all we know, his dad doesn't know that oh. he knows how to use the formaldehyde. No, I don't think anybody knew. Yeah. Or then again, he just thought, oh, okay, this is scientific stuff. Yeah, because I'm a scientist, so he's curious. Right. Yeah. So this led to Jeff continuing his collection of bones, now using roadkill. So he would find roadkill and start this process. On purpose. Yep. So we could have gathered up that Oh, squirrel. my God, that squirrel. Well, Jeff Dummers. His, no, Dead. his bones were crushed. They were dustified. They, <laughs> they were dustified. Is that a word? I love it. It is now. It is allegedly now. stamped. <laughs> write it down. Write it down. Somebody write that down. So, later at the age of 15, Jeffrey decapitated the carcass of a dog. You promised me there would be no dog ever in this podcast we call allegedly. No, I didn't. That was never, I know how you feel. (laughs) But listen, it was already dead. He didn't, he didn't kill it. It was already dead. It, it was probably roadkill. <laughs> oh, that poor dog. Oh, God. Can we imagine it's a cat instead? No. So, he decapitated the dog, the carcass, the carcass of the dog, because it was not alive. He nailed the body to a tree and <laughs> Pull yourself together. I really wish we were videoing. I should have been videoing. Are you okay? I'm listening. Okay. So he nailed the body to a tree and then put the skull on a stick that he stuck in the forestry forestry ground behind his home. It was later said that he, like, asked neighborhood boys to come see it. Just. And now we're going to move on. Okay. Okay. It, he doesn't do this to another things. dog again? No. That's it. Just people, right? I put... Just people? I put that specific story in there for you because... <laughs> not for you, but because that, I feel, is a little glimpse of something. Oh, that's a little odd. People don't do that. Kids don't do that. That wasn't in any of the stories, any of the shows. You know what I mean? So, all right. You can stop staring at me like that now. So when Jeffrey was hitting puberty, he discovered he was homosexual. Of course, he never told his family. He also began drinking. So in order to make some money to purchase alcohol, he would actually perform for money. He did a bit. Okay? A bit. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like a yeah, little yeah. like little show? I wish I was confident enough to do that. Confident enough to do what? A little bit. What kind of bit? A little show for money. 
What kind of show are you thinking he did? <laughs> what kind of show are you talking about? Not that. Well, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about a little bit, you know, like a show. like Strip teasing? Yeah. All right. Well, that's not what he was doing. He pretended to have an epileptic seizure. On purpose. As well as cerebral palsy. And people began calling the bit doing a Dahmer. Sorry, my mouth is wide open. I'm a wife. Like that is not something we're supposed to be doing. But it was like the 60s slash 70s, so maybe that's what they did. They also used very inappropriate language to describe those people, so, you know. I don't like anything about that. Might be worse than the dog. <laughs> yep. So we're going to get into his murders now. And not so much detail about what happened in between, but there's detail in the murders. Just FYI. The two shows I mentioned earlier talk about this entire story. So after all of this, three weeks after graduating high school, Jeffrey was living alone. Uh, his parents had divorced and his mother took off. Okay. And his dad was MIA a lot. Yeah. But his dad also thought that he was living with his mother. She ran off and left him. So he was actually living alone and his dad didn't know. And she took the little brother. Why would she take David and not Jeffrey? I know. That's going to mess a person up. Yeah. So this is when Dahmer committed his first murder. It was June 18th, 1978, when 18-year-old Stephen Hicks was hitchhiking to a rock concert located at Chippewa Lake Park, which is like 27 miles away from Akron. When Jeffrey found him, he was shirtless. And Jeffrey said that the sight of this boy stirred sexual feelings within him. Unfortunately, Stephen began talking about girls. Because he did get into the vehicle with Jeffrey. And Jeff then knew that any of his advancers, advances, were be they were, yeah. yeah. So he told Stephen he had a beer at his house. And so after drinking beer and listening to music for hours, Stephen wanted to leave and go to the concert. He was supposed to be meeting friends. Jeff didn't want him to go. You don't say. So he hit Stephen with a 10-pound dumbbell two times from behind. Then he strangled him with the same dumbbell. Afterwards, he stripped the young man, explored his body, and then masturbated above the dead body. What do you mean by explored the body? Just looked at it? I think he was, like, feeling around it and whatnot. But he didn't, he didn't rape it? No, he just masturbated above it. I think he was just feeling it. Feeling around. I mean, he, he's just coming into homosexuality. So he's not, okay. He's exploring. Yeah. Um, he later buried the remains of Stephen Hicks in a shallow grave in his backyard. Sort of. It depends on what source you look at. Some say it was a shallow grave in the backyard. Some say it was a shallow grave underneath the house. The show dicta- dictates, nope, depicts it underneath the house. It depends on what source you go with. Okay. Either way, shallow grave. It's buried. So, however, that was not his final resting place, though. Dahmer later dug up the remains, took the flesh from the bones, dissolved it in acid, before flushing them. Then he crushed the bones as well as possible with a sledgehammer. And did what with those? He scattered them in the forest behind the home. So they would just look like rocks or pebbles? Yeah. (gasps) 
So I want to insert a definition here for some people who may not understand what I'm going to say in my next line. But when we talk about serial killers, which is what Jeffrey Dahmer was, we also talk about a cooling off period. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This really just means that after a murder, the serial killer will take some time off um, from being a murderer and actually will go on with their normal life. You would never know. And then they'll murder again. Yep. So back to Dahmer. His cooling off period was long for this one. So he couldn't seem to stay out of trouble, though, during his normal life. So on October 7th, 1981, he was arrested for disorderly conduct and resisting arrest and paid a small fine. He was drunk. On August 7th, 1982, he was arrested again for disorderly conduct because he dropped his pants in public. On September 8th, 1986, he was arrested one more time when he deliberately exposed himself while urinating in front of a group of children in Milwaukee. That's something we do. That's just normal. Yeah, so another version of the story, though, actually says he was masturbating. Oh. And that seems to be the story that the Netflix series runs with. But it was at a carnival, and he was standing standing in front of some game masturbating at it. Either way, he was arrested. So he had those arrests. He was also a frequent visitor to gay bars and bathhouses by this point. What is a bathhouse? <gasps> uh, just a house with bathrooms? And you shower? Do you pay to shower there? It's for homosexuals. And a lot of people, like, walk around naked and have their intercourse times. It should not be called a bathhouse. That's false advertising. It's not Greece. It's, it, what's Greece? <laughs> I feel like, don't they have those in Greece where you can just, she's in the, she's bathing. In the bathing area. I think our perceptions of Greece are very different. <laughs> or, <laughs> or was that just like mythology? And moving on. Okay. So he actually was barred from one of the, one of the bathhouses because of allegations that on at least four separate occasions, he took someone to a private booth and drugged them. Oh, hell. Unfortunately, for all humanity and his victims, no charges were filed. Although one of the victims was hospitalized for like a week. Yeah. So after a nine-year cooling off period... Wow, that is long. Yeah, that super, is long. super duper long. On November 20th, 1987, which I find weird because his first murder was in 1978. We're on to murder two, 1987. Jeff went out to a bar where he met 25-year-old Stephen Tuomi. Another Stephen. Dahmer had convinced Stephen to go back to the Ambassador Hotel with him. Later, Jeff states that he does not have, he did not have any intentions of killing this man. Huh. His plan was more or less just to drug Stephen enough to have him lie down. And that way, Jeff could lay with him and explore his body while Stephen was none the right, wiser. I think they call that date, date rape jugs. Yeah, that's Roofies. exactly what that was. So, do not come for me when I state my opinion here, okay? But I honestly do believe what Jeffrey said. Only because I've listened to the Jeffrey Dahmer tapes, not the reenactment but literally Jeffrey Dahmer talking. And he has not held back or lied about anything after getting caught. None. So. So why would he? Right. Yeah. So how, what would, would he have to gain from that? Right. Nothing. Exactly. So 
After sleeping near Stephen for the night, Jeffrey woke up the next morning to find that Stephen was actually beaten really bad. Uh, and Stephen was covered in bruises. His chest was crushed in. There was blood coming from his mouth. Dahmer, on the other hand, had bruising on his fists and on his forearm. Jeffrey ended up purchasing a suitcase to fit Stephen's body in in order to transport the remains back to his grandmother's home where he had been currently living. A week later, he dismembered Stephen, cutting all of the appendages from the torso. It is said that he then filleted the body, and I think that's just cutting the meat away from the bone. Uh, he then placed the flesh into garbage bags while wrapping the bones in a sheet before pounding them to dust with a sledgehammer. He later got rid of all of the remains in the trash except for Stephen's head. He kept that for two full weeks after the murder before he boiled it in a mixture of Soylex. I don't know what that is. It's an industrial detergent. Um, so he mixed that with bleach, you know, to keep it. Uh, he then used the head to help him get hard in order to masturbate to the skull. But eventually, however, the skull became like brittle and fragile from the bleaching so he ended up banging that into dust and then disposing of it. Oh my god. So apparently this was a turning point for Jeffrey. He found himself looking for victims. Most of them he, may, he met at gay bars before luring them back to his grandmother's home. He found a new method to kill people by drugging them with sleeping pills and then strangling them. So two months later, on January 16th, 1988, Jeffrey met James Doxator, better known as Jamie. Jamie was 14 years old. Oh my lord. Yeah. He was Native American and a prostitute, is from what I found. Yeah. At 14? Yeah. Jeffrey got Jamie to go home with him by offering the child $50 to pose for nude photos. After getting Jamie back to his grandmother's home, James and Jeffrey engaged in sexual activity. Like, like, consulting? Consulting? I mean, or, um, consenting? Uh, like, well, the kid is a prostitute, so I'm assuming it was... I don't know if that's included in the $50 or what. But mind you, it's a 28-year-old murderer with a 14-year-old. Yeah, that's... So after the sexual encounter, Jeffrey jugged Jamie and then strangled him in the cellar of the home. He then did the same thing to Jamie as he did to Stephen Tuomi. And then he also had the same outcome with the skull. So I'm not going to go through all of what I said again. Why would he have to kill him if he already slept with him? We'll get into okay. thoughts and opinions later. Another two months pass. March 24th, 1988, when Jeffrey met 22-year-old Richard Guerrero outside the Phoenix gay bar. He decided to, like, change his tactics slightly uh, Jeff offered this victim $50 just to spend the night with him. Hmm. So it worked. And the two men went back to Jeffrey's grandmother's house 
where Richard was drugged with the sleeping pills and then strangled with a leather strap. Jeffrey then performed oral sex on his dead body. Why? What? What? Ew. No. So that's how would you even do that? How would you do that? He's dead. What do you mean? He still has a penis when he's dead. Can it still ejaculate when it's dead? Uh, I don't think it matters. Uh, you can still put it in your mouth. Yeah, but, but it's a little floppy. I don't like anything about that. Mm-mm. 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 I would think it's like a gummy worm. Gummy worms will never be the same for me. <laughs> Thanks. I'm oh. just saying from being a woman. Who sucks on wieners? <laughs> no. Well, well, listen, I once have, and sometimes it doesn't start that way with the erection and you got to get it there. And it, it's like a gummy worm at first. Does your gummy worms get hard? Oh no. You grew up in the nineties. Remember those. Literally the same age as you. remember, (laughs) Remember those. Oh, they had like slime on the inside wrapped in that plastic with like a hole in the middle and you could <gasps> yes oh yeah that, that's what okay. that's, that's what, what it is. that's yes. what an unerected yes. penis would be yes forget the gummy worms yep. they're better that's now. perfect yeah so within 24 hours of murdering richard jeff went about dismembering the body doing what he had done previously with disposing the remains in the trash keeping the skull for several months before crushing it to pieces because he can't get it right to figure out how to bleach them correctly i'm not sure what that correct manner would be but i'm sure you can google it or look in a forensics textbook because they like to give out far too much information yes they do in september of 1988 jeff's grandmother was done no she knew she was done no she didn't know what happened was she asked him to move out because he was continually drinking she knew that was a problem and she was, he was bringing men around late at night, and she did not want that. She also had a problem with a smell that was occasionally, like, present in the house that would kind of waft up from the basement. Oh, I wonder what that could be. Decomposing bodies and bones? Yeah. Well, she didn't know. Apparently, she never no. went into the basement. Jeff found an apartment at 808 North 24th Street in Milwaukee and then moved into it on September 25th. On September 27th after my son's birthday two days after moving into the apartment in 1988 he was arrested for sexually fondling 13 year old samsak and i'm so sorry samsak synthesomphone was he from All somewhere else own. different yeah not he, he's laos yeah okay so jeffrey had offered the boy money to pose for nude photos the boy agreed. The two went back to Jeffrey's apartment where Jeff proceeded to drug the boy before sexually abusing him. However, the boy managed to get away and the incident was reported to the police. So he was arrested. So Lionel Dahmer, his father, mm-hmm. hired lawyer Gerald Boyle as his son's attorney. They requested that there be, like, a series of psychological evaluations performed on Jeff. I agree with that. Right. Absolutely. But before the court hearings, you know, just let's try to get the ruling of 
crazy. Um, these evaluations actually revealed that Dahmer harbored deep feelings of alienation. Rightfully so. Yep. A second evaluation two months later revealed that he was an impulsive individual, suspicious of others, and dismayed by his lack of accomplishments in life. So he was ashamed of himself. Pretty much. Pretty he much. had a lot going on. His probation officer also referenced a 1987 diagnosis of Dahmer. He was suffering from schizoid. Schizoid? Is that what that is? Personality disorder. Schizophrenia? Pretty much. I'm assuming that's like the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so he had that disorder. After pleading guilty to the, sec to the charges of second degree sexual assault and the enticing of a child for immoral purposes in January of 1989, sentencing was suspended until May. So out on bail on March 20th, Dahmer commenced like a 10-day Easter absence from work. Just didn't go to work for like Easter oh. for 10 days. I didn't okay. know that was a thing. But during this time, he moved back into his grandmother's home. So on March 25th, 1989, Jeffrey met an aspiring model, Anthony Sears, at a gay bar. According to Jeffrey, he had not set out to look for anyone or commit a crime that night. He also stated that a little before closing time, Anthony had come up to him at the bar and just, quote unquote, started talking. So I guess to him that was like a sign because, again, he took the young man to his grandmother's home where they performed oral sex before Jeff went back to his ways, drugging and strangling Anthony. The next morning, Jeffrey took his body, placed it into his grandmother's bathtub where he decapitated it before attempting to flay the body. And for those who do not know, that just means removing the skin taking the skin off. Oh my gosh. So he removed the skin and then he removed the flesh and crushed the bones to dispose of it all in the trash. However, according to Jeff, he found that this young man was ex quote unquote, okay, exceptionally attractive. This was the first victim that Jeffrey actually permanently kept body parts of. He used acetone to preserve the man's head and genitals. Oh, my God. Which he stored in, like, a wooden box. Of course he did. That he kept in his locker at work. Oh, my God. Where did he work? At that time, I'm not exactly sure. I know his later job. At one point, he was, like, a phlebotomist. At like uh, somebody let him do that. Well, they didn't know yet, but they oh didn't. My but God. yeah, he but he didn't stay there long. But I don't know if it was this place or his later job. Uh, but later, when he moves, he does take that place with him, or he does take that box to his new place. So on May twenty third, nineteen eighty nine, Jeffrey Dahmer was sentenced to five years probation and one year in the House of Correction with work release permitted in order in an order that he would be able to keep his job. So he was required to register as a sex offender. According to a Google search, the House of Correction is an institute for like the short-term confinement of minor offenders. Oh. 
He was later released to probation after serving 10 months. Oh. I will say that the Netflix series kind of portrays the fact that they didn't get him any help in there. Uh, that's not the Jeffrey Dahmer tapes. That's the Netflix series. And not everything in that is 100. Accurate. No. There's a lot that's not accurate, but a lot of it is. So it's like, but if you already have him in prison and you know he has all of these problems that came up in court, why are we not getting him help? Maybe because it's just the late 80s, early 90s, and people just didn't do that then. So he moved back in again with his grandmother temporarily. He moved out on May 14th, 1990. This is when he moved into 924 North 25th Street, widely known by the complex name, the Oxford Apartments. Jeffrey Dahmer resided in apartment 213. Also moving into the apartment was Anthony Sears' mummified head and genitals. Oh. Because those were in the box. baby sheep. Yep. So the apartment building was made up of like 49 one-bedroom apartments, and it was located in a high-crime area and more or less was populated with African-Americans. Okay? However, Jeffrey mainly chose to live there based on the fact that it was located decently close to his job. It was about 20 minutes from where he worked at the Ambrosia Chocolate Factory. I'm almost positive that's where he was keeping the mummified head and genitals. He actually worked night in the chocolate factory, like making chocolate. He was a chocolate maker. Uh, it, the apartment came furnished. It was only $300 a month. Hot damn. Well, it's the 90s. Um, and everything but electric was included. I'm not exactly sure what that includes because, I mean, it was probably, like, gas. I don't know if it had, like, I don't know if it included, like, cable of some sort or whatever. Um, But in 2022 money, that same apartment would be $681.27. Just to give you that little conversion. For a bedroom. Furnished. Oh. I'm sure that's not even true. Yeah. I'm just saying that he paid $300, but he would have been paying that much. But, you know, real inflation, it's probably much higher. So the same week that Jeffrey moved in, he murdered again. The same week? Yep. On May 20th, 1999, he met Raymond Smith, but this man went by Ricky Beeks. Okay? That's what he's better known as. He was a 32-year-old male prostitute. And it is said that they met at a club where Jeff ordered or offered Ricky $50 for sex if he would come back to his new apartment with him. When there, Jeff laced a drink with pills that he then offered to his unsuspecting guest. After the drink did its job, Jeff strangled him. On May 21st, Jeff purchased a Polaroid camera in order to take numerous photos of Ricky's body. I'm assuming to keep and perhaps masturbate to. Yeah. Yeah. So he actually posed the corpse in suggestive ways. So I'm assuming he was masturbating. Yeah, yeah. So afterwards, he dismembered the man in his bathroom. He then boiled Ricky's limbs and pelvis in a steel kettle filled with a bathroom cleaner, again, called Solax. He then dissolved the remainder of Smith's skeleton, or beak, I guess, beaks, um, except the skull. 
and this was in a container filled with acid. He later spray painted Ricky's skull and placed it next to the skull of Anthony Sears on a black towel inside a metal filing cabinet. Oh, I almost, it almost just feels like he's wanting somebody to find out that he's doing this. Yeah, yeah. Like he's screaming for somebody to just. Yeah, I, I agree. We'll get into our thoughts, not this, this round, but. Yeah, yeah. According to the Wikipedia timeline, which is like what I'm trying to follow the most since yeah. it had more information. Uh, there was an incident that occurred that I kind of wanted to put in here because I feel like it wasn't covered on the show at all. And I do find it interesting. So it is actually document documented in a book by Brian Masters called The Shrine of Jeffrey Dahmer, which it was published in 1993. So around May 27th, Jeffrey layer layered, Jeffrey lured another man to his apartment. We don't know anything about this man as far as I could find, but apparently the situation was that after lacing the drink for the man, Jeffrey accidentally drank the poisoned liquid rather than the young man. So after Jeffrey woke up from being in the sleeping yeah. pill coma, he found that he had been robbed. The young man, actually, that he intended to kill, by the way, had stolen several items of his clothing, $300, which, by the way, was a full month's rent to Jeffrey, and a watch. So Jeffrey, a man who has murdered people, which, by the way, uh, too bad that young man did not find the skulls I and everything. I was just going to say that. Could have been stopped a long time ago. Yes. Um, or maybe he didn't was like, I, uh, I'm, I'm not. Leaving. Because then again, who knows who this young man was? He's committing a robbery right now. So maybe this is what he did. And he didn't want to have a run in with police. No. Um, I'm also going to assume, I am assuming that this young man was African-American. Because most of Jeffrey Dahmer's victims were. And Jeffrey Dahmer liked that. And mind you, at this time... Police seem to be a little racist in Milwaukee. Yeah. Just saying. So I don't think they would have done much anyway. They probably would have taken the young man in and were like, oh. why did you drug this white guy? Yeah, and exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, he, Jeffrey, who has murdered people, uh, stayed off the police radar um, and did not report this to police. Probably so, a good idea I assume if he did, they would have been like, they uh, to see his we need to come see your apartment to see what's missing. Yeah. And he couldn't have that because he has skulls and a barrel of acid with torsos on it. Sleeping pills. So. so, it is also said, though, that he did tell the information to his probation officer a few days after the incident. And I have no idea what became of that since he was able to go on continuing to kill. So I'm assuming, like, I don't know how that was brought up. I'm yeah. like, how do you lay that out? That's Sir or madam, I was robbed. Here's what happened. I passed out because the sedative laced drink that I'm I meant sure. to give to this man, well, I drank it. I'm sure that's not how that went down. I have no idea. Um, but I don't think anything came from this. The probation officer is probably like, you're an idiot. You're There's, I'm not doing anything with this. Yeah. So, on June 14th, 1990, 27-year-old Edward Eddie Smith 
was lured to Jeff's apartment. I am not sure how. I could oh. not figure that out. Uh, Wikipedia says that the two are actually acquaintances. Oh, so maybe they knew each other. Although okay. I can't figure out how they would have known each other. I couldn't find out. So I also do not know how Jeffrey lured him to the apartment. It could have been with the $50. It could have been, if they were acquaintances, it could have been like, hey, bud, let's have a beer. Right. Who knows? Right. So after Eddie was in the apartment, Jeff did what he normally did. He drugged, he drugged and strangled him. On this occasion, though, rather than immediately acify, acify, <laughs> acid, putting him in acid, uh-huh. um, or using the bleaching method, he placed this man's skeleton in his freezer for several months in hope that it would not retain moisture. Okay. So freezing the skeleton did not remove the moisture. So now what? The skeleton, he then did put he, in acid. Okay. Um, Dahmer accidentally destroyed the skull when he placed it in the oven to dry, which is a, a process that actually caused the skull to explode. <gasps> so oh my. Dahmer later informed police that he felt, quote unquote, rotten about Smith's murder because he had been unable to retain any of the body parts. That's why he felt rotten. Yeah. Just because he wasn't able to maintain the body parts. Yeah, and I actually find this fascinating, and I'll tell you why. Because the first few murders resulted in him not being able to keep anything as well. And I'm wondering if maybe he chalked those up to a learning process. Do you know what I mean? Like, he didn't know yeah. how to. So the first few skulls, he actually ended up having to crush because they were so brittle and fragile. Maybe he chalked that up to going, learning process. But he didn't use the right process here. He found the right process. He has two skulls. So maybe he was just trying a new method and hoped that it would work. And when it didn't. I also don't know what it was about this man that made him feel bad about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. On we'll never know. No. On September 2nd, 1990, Jeffrey Dahmer met 22-year-old Ernest Miller outside of a bookstore on the corner of North 27th Street. So I could not find which bookstore this was exactly. I did try. I'm sure you did. I am almost positive that Jeffrey Dahmer is not an avid reader. I don't think so. But fun little tidbit of information. When I did Google it, I Googled the question, what bookstore is on the corner of North 27th Street in Milwaukee, Wisconsin? That scared the living daylights out of me. I was waiting for you to scream. I was waiting for you I to didn't, scream. I don't like that at all. You're just because her face? Just, no. Just, just looking over and seeing a child peering into here, I'm going to take a picture of it be, and I'm going to post it to um, our site because holy sheep eggs. That's a lot. So anyway, the answer to the bookstore was J.R. News Adult Video and Bookstore. Uh, of course, they could have just said it was a... I'm not exactly sure if this is the right bookstore, but it would make a little more sense it would. if it, it was. Would. It would. <laughs> so I didn't deep dive into whether this was the right business because it really doesn't matter. It doesn't, but it would make sense. Unfortunately, Ernest Miller agreed to go back to Jeffrey's apartment for $50. What? What is it with the $50? Is that just like the magic bills? People wanted money. So Ernest was allowed, also allowed Jeffrey to listen to his heart and stomach. 
Which is weird, because, like... Why? Why didn't he question that? I feel like even you would question me if I was like, dude, I've got a stethoscope. Let me listen to your heart and stomach. That was my next question. Did he have a stethoscope? I don't think so. That would be even more weird. (laughs) So, however, when Jeffrey decided to go, oh, a little bit further, and attempted to perform oral sex on this man, Ernest stopped him and said, that'll cost you extra. So... Jeffrey did not want to pay extra. So instead, he resorted to the drink. The drugging. Yep. Two, he only gave him two sleeping pills this time because that's all he had. So this was actually not going to do much of anything. So he killed Ernest by slashing his carotid artery. Yeah. With the same knife that he used to dissect his victim's bodies. So for those of you who do not know, on the sides of the neck, there's a carotid artery as well as the jugular vein. The carotid artery is about like one and a half inches below the skin. Ernest Miller bled to death within minutes. Again, Jeffrey posed Ernest's nude body for various suggestive Polaroid photos before placing it in his bathtub for dismemberment. So I know gross. your your faces. You have z- like zero words and lots of faces. I told you that this was going to be rough. Dahmer repeatedly kissed and talked to the severed head. It's crazy. He's crazy. While he dismembered the remainder of the body, like I don't know what you're saying, but Did he's he have like a conversation with it, like an answered back for it. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut off your arms now. Like, I, and then kissing it. Like, what are you saying? But was he schizophrenic? Was that something that was going on? Do you see? So he then wrapped Ernest's heart, biceps, and portions of flesh from the legs in plastic bags and placed them in the fridge for later consumption. Now, where did he get the idea that he needed to eat? I have thoughts. I have thoughts. So he boiled the remaining flesh and organs into like a jelly-like substance using the solax, which enabled him to like rinse the flesh off of the skeleton, just like rinse it off like like it just washed away. Yeah. Hmm. So in order to like preserve the skeleton, he placed the bones in a light bleach solution for 24 hours before allowing them to dry. On a cloth, one week. You know, like dishes. The severed head was initially placed in the refrigerator before it was stripped of flesh. This is the person's head, a full head, with face and skin and stuff. It gives me the willies. After that, after after getting just down to the skull, he then painted and coated it with enamel. Why? To keep it. To keep it, to preserve it, keep it. So 22 days after the murder of Ernest Miller on September 24th, 1990, Jeffrey met another 22-year-old, this time at the Grand Avenue Mall. He persuaded David Thomas to return to his apartment for a few drinks with additional money if he would pose for the photographs. In his statement to police after his arrest, Dahmer said that after giving Thomas a drink laced with the sedatives, he did not feel attracted to him. 
Oh, no. But he was also afraid to allow him to wake up. Oh, no. Because he feared that the man would be angry about being drugged. You don't say. So he thought of a better idea. Oh, was it to kill him? Yep, strangle him and dismember the body. Intentionally keeping no body parts whatsoever because... He didn't like him. He wasn't. That was a waste, is what that was. So, however, he did photograph the dismemberment process. Oh. And then kept the photos. Okay. Which later actually helped in... identify yeah man. well okay yeah so weirdly enough he seemed to go on like a hiatus from killing however do not take that as off like a cooling off period it's not a cooling off period he took a hiatus turns out that he was still trying to lure men to his apartment but he just was, wasn't successful correct from october of 1990 to february of 1991 he could not get anybody to come back with him so, however, between this time, he's known to have, like, regularly complained of feelings of both anxiety and, to brush and depression to his probation, probation officer. officer. Also saying that he frequently, like, he referenced his sexuality, his solitary lifestyle because he was living alone. He had financial difficulties. But on several occasions, he also said that he was harboring... Har- I cannot speak. Harboring? Yes. Okay. Harboring suicidal thoughts. Oh, not good. I think that just plays into a lot of what we have going on here. Yeah. He's a messed up person. Yeah. He needs help. He needed help. Yeah. So we're actually going to stop here, which I don't think Amanda could probably take any more tonight. No. No. Um, and we're going to call this part one because we actually have a lot more to get into. Yeah. Uh, you don't have a pen and paper. You don't even know what number we're on. Do you know how many victims he had? 17? Yes. 17? So you don't even know where we are. That's no. fine. Um, in the meantime, find and contact us on our socials and meet us every Friday when the clock strikes 1.13 a.m. for a new episode. And as always, make sure you stay alert, stay salty, and stay intact. This is Ashley and Amanda coming to you live on AATCP Jazz. I don't like jazz. I don't know why I said that. Just true crime. I don't know why I said that. I don't really like jazz. A little bit of comedy. Just an itty bitty whole half hour of it.